You're listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church Podcast. The following sermon was recorded on Christmas Eve, December 4th, 2019. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, this time of year, there are three words that seem to just pop up all over the place. And they are hope, peace, and joy. Perhaps you have seen these words somewhere recently. I've seen them on just about every Christmas card this year. I've seen them on wrapping paper, television commercials, in Christmas carols, in decorations, in yard ornaments. I see these words everywhere. And why not? These words make us feel good, like a warm blanket and a steaming peppermint latte. But what do they really mean? Imagine for a moment receiving a gift in a beautiful package. Maybe it says hope or peace or joy on the outside of it. And then you open it up and there's nothing inside. And that's kind of what these words do for us a lot of the time. They, they make us feel nice, but ultimately they can be a little bit meaningless. It's as if a few moments later they, they meant nothing. But these words can also be some of the best gifts that you have ever received, which fill you 
Fill your deepest needs and the deepest desires of your hearts. And ultimately, the choice is up to each one of us, what we do with these words. So let's start with hope. The superficial meaning of the word hope is kind of like a wish that may or may not happen. So you might say, I hope the Jaguars win their next game. Or I hope I win the lottery. Or I hope my Christmas turkey isn't too dry this year. These are all things that we kind of wish for. Uh, We kind of hope they'll be true. They might happen. They might not happen. But that's the way we use the word hope most of the time. The fact is, our lives feel rather hopeless sometimes. Whether it's in our relationships, or in our careers, or our families, or our finances, or our health. We can feel like we're drifting. Like everything is up to us, and we just can't quite make it all happen on our own, and on our own strength. And so you might hear the word hope in these circumstances and say, Well, yeah, right. Like, that's going to happen. But this is not true hope. The traditional symbol for hope is an anchor. And I'm not talking about like a little canoe anchor. I'm talking about like, for you people who have been on a Navy ship, that kind of anchor. The kind of anchor that you see on the biggest of the cruisers out there. Enormous anchor. The kind of anchor that when it sinks down to the bottom of the ocean, you know that that boat is going to stay there. That ship is going to stay there. And that's what hope is supposed to be for us. It's supposed to be that kind of an anchor that holds us down when the waves are tossing around us, when this world seems uncertain to us. Hope is there for us. Not a fleeting hope, not a wishful hope, but a firm hope that we can rely on and depend on, a sure hope. Some of the biblical names for God include God who heals, or God who provides. And God offers us hope in all of the circumstances of our lives. You may remember a hymn called Great is Thy Faithfulness. And in this hymn it says, Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. The strength for today is what God offers us when we hear about these names of God as provider, as healer, as sustainer. He helps us through all of these circumstances of life that make us feel hopeless sometimes. But he also gives us bright hope for tomorrow. And he offers us the hope of eternal life. In Titus this evening, the letter of Paul to Titus, it says, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And this is the big hope of all hopes, right? We can depend on God for the daily circumstances of our lives, but we also ultimately depend on God for our eternal destiny, the hope of eternal life. And that, my friends, is one of those big anchors, one of those things that doesn't go away. No matter how the waves of this world toss and turn, God is there for us, and the hope of eternal life remains firm and steady. And that hope comes through Jesus Christ, who we celebrate his birth today. So that's hope. Let's talk about peace a little bit. But before we talk about peace, we kind of have to talk about hostility. 
because you can't really talk about peace without first talking about hostility. And hostility is terrible. It can make us feel anxious, angry, unloved, unwanted. I don't know if you've ever been in a sort of hostile situation. I have. There was a a time I lived in a house with a number of roommates and there was some serious hostility going on. You could cut the tension with a knife. It was the kind of situation you don't even want to open the front door when you get home. And when you do, you go right to your bedroom and shut the door because you don't want to deal with what's on the other side. It was bad. Maybe you've dealt with something similar. Maybe you have relationships that are hostile in your life. And this time of year can kind of magnify that because we find ourselves sometimes forced into situations with family members that we might not like to be with at this time of year. Um, And so we find ourselves in these hostile situations or having to face up to situations that we don't want to think about. But hostility isn't just in our personal lives. We see hostility between nations. We see hostility between political parties. We see hostility between races. The Bible offers us something different. If you've ever heard Handel's Messiah, you'll recognize these words from the book of Isaiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. What does it mean for Jesus, whom this prophecy was about, what does it mean for him to be Prince of Peace? I think there's two kinds of peace that it's talking about. The first is peace between people. So those hostile situations I was talking about earlier, like the situation with my roommates, that's an example of, of the first kind of hostility. And in the book of Ephesians, we read about something kind of similar. There's a passage in Ephesians that talks about the tension, the hostility between Jews and Gentiles, people who wanted nothing to do with each other. And Paul speaks into the situation because God was inviting both Jews and Gentiles into relationship with him. And so, of course, this caused tension, this caused hostility. And this is what Paul says as he speaks into this tension. This is chapter 2, beginning at verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus was taking that hostility between Jew and Gentile, people who wanted nothing to do with each other, and he was healing that tension, healing that hostility, and bringing them together into one body. And that's what Jesus does between us as we have faith in him. There was a day, this day, Christmas Eve, more than 100 years ago in 1914. It was the height of World War I. England had just joined into the conflict in August, and it was now December. The fighting had been heavy, and there was no sign of it letting up. But on Christmas Eve, as the British soldiers stood in their foxholes looking out across the, uh, the, the, 
you know, the no man zone, the place where you can't go because you're going to get shot if you go there, looking for signs of German activity, all of a sudden they heard a faint sound that they had never heard before, at least not on a battlefield. It was the sound of a Christmas carol. The German words to Stiel Nacht were not familiar to the English, but the tune of Silent Night certainly was. When the German soldiers finished singing, their British foes broke out in cheers. And used to returning fire, their British now replied in song and sang back the same carol to them now in English. English people singing to German people, German people singing to English people. And then the next morning, some people gingerly popped out of their foxholes and held up white flags and walked across the field. And they ended up shaking hands with each other, exchanging gifts of cigars and cigarettes and other small things that they could offer. And then they started making makeshift soccer balls and playing soccer on these same fields that they had been killing each other across. Now the next day, of course, they went back to the same war that they had been engaged in for some time. But on that day, on the day that they remembered Jesus' birth, they had peace. They recognized the humanity in each other. They recognized the faith in each other that transcended the governments that they represented. And on that day, there was peace for the Prince of Peace. In Luke chapter 2, we read about the message of these angels as they came singing to these shepherds in the field, an unlikely band of people to whom the birth announcement would be made. And the angel choirs sing this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And this is the other kind of peace that Jesus brings us. Peace not just between men and women, men and men, people, but peace between us and God. Because there was hostility between us and God as well. We had turned away from God a long, long time ago, back in the very roots of our humanity with our first parents, Adam and Eve. And that same tendency to break away from God, to run away from God, to say, I want to do it on my own, has run through all of us, down through history. But returning to the letter of Paul to Titus, that very same verse, it says, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is what Jesus does for us. He justifies us by his grace. And what is grace? Grace is essentially a gift. It's something freely offered, unearned, undeserved, something that we don't deserve in any way, shape, or form. But Jesus gives it to us willingly. He leaves the glory of heaven where he wanted for nothing. Angels and archangels served him constantly. He was perfectly comfortable. He had perfect community in the Trinity. There was nothing that he wanted, but he chose to enter into his creation for our sake. In another place in the Bible, in, in 2 Corinthians, it says that Jesus became poor for our sake so that we, by his poverty, might become rich. He traded places with us, and he brought us peace with God because of it. So peace, hope, what about joy? 
What's the difference between happiness and joy? Sometimes we, we use them almost in the same way. The difference is that happiness is circumstantial. You're happy at an event, or when you get promoted, or on a holiday with your family, or on a vacation in a beautiful place. But when the event or the promotion or the holiday is over, you just go back to whatever it was you were experiencing before. Joy is deeper. It's more abiding. And it transcends our circumstances. Warren Wearsby, who's a, a Bible commentator, defines joy this way. He says, joy is that inward peace and sufficiency that is not affected by outward circumstances. This holy optimism, he said, keeps him going in despite, despite all difficulties. In the letter to the Hebrews, it talks about the joy of Jesus and reminds us to put our joy in the same place. In Hebrews chapter 12, it begins by saying, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus counted it joy to go to the cross, not because he wanted to go to the cross, but because he saw the bigger picture, the larger vision of what was at stake. He wanted to reconcile humanity to God. And he knew that the cross was the way to achieve that, and he could see the joy in the midst of the suffering because he saw the bigger picture. Similarly, some of the apostles in the book of Acts found themselves in a situation where after preaching the name of Jesus, they were heavily persecuted by the authorities. And it says in Acts chapter 5, verses 40 and 41, And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. They rejoiced that they experienced a beating. That's not something I usually would rejoice over. I don't know about you. Maybe you like beatings. I don't like beatings. But they rejoiced over these beatings because they were counted worthy to preach the name of Jesus and to suffer for it. They had joy because of the bigger picture of their situation. Kay Warren, who's the, the wife of Rick Warren, a famous pastor from California, says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all of the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in all things. Going back to the Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke. It says in verse 20 that the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Those shepherds went back to their fields rejoicing because they had an opportunity to see the Christ child, to see the hope of salvation, the one they had waited for for so many thousands of years, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who had come to save them, the one who had come to save us. 
And so we remember the words of that famous carol, Joy to the world! The Lord is come, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. This carol echoes the words of the Gospel of John as it talks about the incarnation of Jesus. And it says that Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through him, but the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's that same exchange we just talked about. Jesus became poor for our sake so that we, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus became poor for our sake so that we might become children of the Most High God. And that makes us part of the great royal family of all of the universe. We are children of God. What a blessing that is. Because of this child born 2,000 years ago to poor parents from an unnotable town in Palestine, you have the opportunity to be a child of God. There's true, deep, abiding peace, hope, and joy in that. And so I ask you tonight, have you made room in your heart for Jesus? Are you ready to receive him afresh this year as we celebrate his birth one more time, one more birthday for Jesus? Have you made the space in your heart to receive him? Because that's where you're going to find peace, hope, and joy. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he was willing to take on our human flesh, that he might redeem our human flesh and reconcile us to you. We rejoice, Lord, in what you've done for us. We rejoice in our salvation. We rejoice in our Savior as he came into this world and will come again to claim us. And so we open our hearts to you once more as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We ask you, Lord, that you would help us to cast out anything that's unholy, anything that's unclean, and make room for Jesus in our lives. Help us to find the peace, hope, and joy that only come from you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, please visit www.goodsamaritananglican.org sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.